You got a pretty cool gift this morning, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I got this book that the pages are folded, so it spells out my name. Yeah, a friend of a friend of ours, a friend of the family. Okay, fun fact about Samantha. She is obsessed with books. Obsessed. I love books. As in, you have to, how many books do you have to have to be classified as a library? A thousand. A thousand. How many books do you have in your living room? Last time I counted, and I have bought more books since then, it was 1,075. Your husband is so tolerant. (laughs) Like, their whole living room in their apartment is... It's really easy to build a like just another shelf. You can add them everywhere. <laughs> They're above the doors. So she's obsessed with books, collects books, all books. And so a friend of the family went and, and got old books and then took them to a book artist and had the names put in there. We'll have her. to post a picture because it's really cool. It's very cool. It's very, very cool. It it's... Is. I can't imagine how long it would take to do. Honestly. I know. Wild. I wonder if there's like a program or something that tells them how to fold the pages. Like how many pages you have to do to fit the whole name. Because Samantha's a long name. Yeah. It was cool. They're very cool. It's very cool. Yeah. And in another news, it's warm today. It's going to be 80 degrees today. Oh my gosh. I'm so sunburned. Fun fact about me, I'm allergic to the sun. So I got fried yesterday. It was a snowstorm. It was a blizzard. I know. A blizzard. We got two feet of snow less than a week ago. We're wearing tank tops today. It's the best day of my life. (laughs) It's going to be hot. I'm a little worried, though, that that means the summer's going to be really hot if it's 80 degrees in April. I'm more concerned that the water, that the snow is all going to melt and we're going to be underwater flooded. Well, we're in a flood warning until tomorrow because there's like 18 inches of water underneath the ice in the mountains. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Anyway, I'm Tracy. She almost said she was Samantha again. Well, it's hard because I'm looking at you and so I want (laughs) to say Samantha. It's not hard. I'm just like, Samantha. Dun, dun, dun. I'm Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is The Suspended Sentence. What are you bringing me today? So today we're going to be talking about a disappearance. Oh, great. So we are going to be talking about Tara Calico. Oh. So we're going to just jump right in here. So she was born February 29th of 1969 and was 19 when she went missing, when she went for a bike ride on September 20th, 1988. Um, This was in New Mexico. So she left the house around 9.30, and she was going to be going on a, about a 36-mile bike ride. Oh, my god! Which she did every single day. That is ridiculous. I would have a heart attack and die on the side of the road. Thinking about it makes me tired. 36 miles. I have a stationary bike. Bike riding is, like, a completely different, like, form of cardio. Like, it hurts muscles that you don't even know <laughs> exist. 36 miles every day. I, I get no joy out of riding a bike. I don't even, I, I've fallen too many off of bikes. I can't do it. I, yeah. So I, don't, this, I don't understand that. Her 36 mile bike ride that she would do every day only took her about two hours to complete. Wow. So she's. She took it seriously. Took it very seriously. This is something that her and her mother, Patty, normally would do together, which I think is really nice. Like her that and her mom cute. would go and spend two hours every day to ride their bikes together. Like, I think that's really sweet. I do too. 
So her mom had actually stopped going on these bike rides a, a few weeks before this happened because a car had been following them and had gotten a little too, little too close and followed them for a little too long and it freaked her mom out. And so she had asked Tara to stop riding, stop going on these bike rides because she was scared. And Tara was like, I'm 19. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go for my bike ride. Like, I'm not that worried about it. Oh, no. So Tara would wear, um, ride the same route every single day. Oh, ladies. And she was a student at the University of New Mexico where she was studying psychology. Um, she was described as a really intelligent, really funny, as well as a bookworm. Ties back oh, into our beginning of our conversation. So she was also a list maker and she loved to keep a schedule. So she was very organized. At the time, uh, she had been working at a bank as a teller. And the day that she went missing, she had written out her schedule for what her day was going to look at like. She left with her Walkman. Her Walkman, yes! Her bike, and was wearing a white t-shirt, white shorts, and white shoes with, like, turquoise accents on them. And was wearing a butterfly, a gold butterfly ring, and half-inch hoop earrings. <clears throat> Seems very fashionable. <laughs> her Walkman. Do you so, know what a Walkman is? I know what they are. I've just never seen one. You haven't? No. It's like such a thing from the 80s and 90s. Like that was such a great flashback. I'm like, yes, <coughs> we said Walkman. The Walkman. A Walkman is <coughs> Excuse me. like the epitome of, or the e- equation of, or the equivalent, oh my gosh, of, um, what are they? I, I, iPods. I Yeah, now. Except, so you'd have to put a cassette tape. Do you know what a cassette I tape is? I do know what a cassette oh, okay. tape is. <laughs> you'd have to put a cassette tape in it or a CD. Those were those were pretty high tech. When in their day, they would skip a lot though. I don't know how she did that when she was riding a bike. But anyway, and then you'd play music. That's but awesome. that was... Well, she had the uh, cassette of the band Boston in her cassette player. Yes. I don't know who that is, to be real. Yes, you do. Do I name a song that I would know? Oh my gosh, you're absolutely breaking my heart. (laughs) Absolutely. You were not raised properly. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you there. (laughs) That's funny. Well, so she walked out, and the last time any witnesses would see her would be about 11.45 a.m. when she was riding along Highway 45. This was her um, her normal route, and she was thinking about go um, about being done about noon. So she was on schedule for being done at noon. Her bike had been getting flat tires regularly, so she had told her mom if she didn't see her by noon to come looking for her because she probably got a flat. Thirty six miles into the boondocks. Right. So Tara had plans with her boyfriend at twelve thirty to go play tennis. So she's gonna ride a th- thirty six miles and then go play tennis. Like so, she was fit. Very. Very strong, strong girl. Mm-hmm. So she also had class about 4 p.m. that afternoon. Uh, so she had set out her tennis clothes and her books for class on her bed. She was ready to go for the afternoon because she was going to be boom, boom, boom. Because she's organized. So noon, she doesn't arrive home. So Patty thinks, well, maybe she did get a flat tire. I better go out and check on her. So she drives the route that she that Tara takes every day, goes ups and downs it, up and ups and downs, up and down the route doesn't see her so she's like okay maybe i just missed her maybe she's at the house now right heads home tara is in there so her mom begins to panic because she's very organized she is where she says she's going to be she's she a keeps scheduled a routine. She, she has plans at 12 30 which makes her a good victim right so patty gets worried that maybe she had gotten hurt and somebody had taken her to the hospital so she starts calling the local hospitals 
she isn't there. Oh, no. So after this, she gets more worried and immediately calls the sheriff's office to report her missing. Because she's like, that's... Uncharacteristic. Tara would not yeah. do that. Five hours after she was had been missing, that she was already listed as a missing person and foul play was already something that the police had been considering. It was listed online. Oh, wow. So that's fast. Usually they make you wait, what, like 48 hours for somebody being missing before you can list them yeah. missing? No, it depends on the situation, but most times, yeah. But I believe, you know, this is a pretty small town, so I think that people knew Tara, Tara and knew, like... Where was it? It was in... Um, oh, I just lost my spot. It was in, like, the northern part of New Mexico. I think it's, like, oh. a population, like, 1,200 people. Like, a very small town. Oh, okay. So, she... People knew her. People knew that she's yeah. where she says she's going to be. So, that's not abnormal, I guess, that the police would be like, okay, yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, her younger sister, Michelle, remembers that day very well. Very well. Sorry, your dog just, like, got out of... Let itself out of the kennel. <laughs> that just startled me. <laughs> She's like, who's missing? I'll find him now. She's sniffing. sniffing. Oh my gosh, that's funny. So her younger sister, Michelle, remembers that day very well. She was 15 at the time that Tara disappeared. And Tara's best friend and her boyfriend went and picked her up from school that day. When she got home, there was a ton of police at the house. So I can't imagine being like a little sister and you come home from school and there's just all this happening. So a ton of volunteers came out to search for Tara. Like I said, small town, tight-knit community. Mm Mm-hmm. That same day, searchers stumble upon a cassette tape of Boston, which was inside, which had originally been inside her Walkman when she went out for her ride. This was found on the side of the road about three miles from her home. Oh, no. <clears throat> later, later that day, about 19 miles away on her route, there was a broken piece of a Sony Walkman. So, like, the little glass window spot is yeah. what was found. So, I don't know what they really, like, look like, but it was a glass piece. I think that goes over the cassette yeah. that was found. Um, that was about 19 miles away, and there was no traces of the rest of the Walkman or her bicycle, but there was bicycle tire traces off the road, so it kind of looks like it like skirted off the road as well as a car tire. Oh. So Patty thinks that her daughter left these items as a breadcrumb trail, if she thought somebody was following her or something, if she felt uncomfortable, she believes that she was leaving those on purpose so that they could sure. know which way she was at. So police speak with people in the area and witnesses saw her and they saw her on route. Seven witnesses all saw her that day. And out of the seven witnesses, five said that they saw something strange. They said that they saw an older pickup truck following her. It had a camper shell. It was light colored and possibly a Ford pickup truck. The next day... Um, was bad weather. I know. I'm upset about it, too. The next day was bad weather, but they kept searching for Tara. For nine months, nothing came from this. Oh, my gosh. On July 15th, 1989, Tara's stepfather, John, got a phone call from a family friend saying that he had something weird to tell him. They had been watching a popular tabloid TV show at the time called Current Affair. I don't know. You know 80s, I wasn't sure if you had had known about that or not no i have never been into watching tv all that much no ever i don't know why i love tv i do not well during a recent episode they were talking about a polaroid photo that had been found that may be concerning or interest to the family of tara on the tv Mm -hmm. and the family didn't know about it Mm -mm, (gasps) because they weren't watching that that tv show the current affair 
So the picture was a, was found in Florida at a convenience store. So remember, we're in New Mexico where she was abducted. So this is found in Florida. A woman had been walking into the store when she saw a man sitting in a white van and she kind of just took notice because I think that we all kind of think that white vans are creepy. So I think when, mm-hmm. especially women, when we see white vans, we're like, mm, mental note, see you. <laughs> right. So she went into the store and when she came out, the van was gone, but she looked where the van was and she noticed a Polaroid sitting where the car, where the van had been. So she was curious and so she walked over and picked up the Polaroid, which was of a young woman and a young boy laying side by side in what looked like a white van. It looked like the inside of the van. They both were bound with their hands behind their backs and duct, tapes over, duct tape over their mouth. And I just showed you the yeah. photos too. It's eerie very to disturbing. Look eerie to look at. So both um, people in the photo are looking directly at the camera. And they have no idea who these kids are. So there's a theory that this photo is faked because to this day, nobody has ever claimed these people. Like nobody's ever came forward and been like, that's my son for the little boy in the photo. Mm-hmm. So people are like, is it a faked photo? Like a gag photo? Like haha, which I don't find funny, but. I don't think it's funny either, but I didn't think it looked fake. You don't think it looks <laughs> faked? No. I mean, the look on there, specifically the girl. She looks tired. Like She looks terrified. Mm-hmm. And I mean. Maybe somebody didn't see that episode or whatever. Right. Maybe somebody didn't see it. Right. So after finding this photo, the woman calls the police. Uh, and the woman in the photo does, to me, look a lot like Tara. It, yeah. When you put them side by side. Uh, not so much her eyes, but that could be the difference between she's happy and all the other photos that we have of her and yeah. your eyes sh- sure. shine different. But like her eyebrows, no, it looks a lot like Tara. So, she said that the man in the van was maybe in his late 30s and had a mustache, but she didn't pay too much attention to him because he wasn't doing anything that really grabbed her attention other than being in a white van. So, she didn't pay too much attention. Mm-hmm. So, the police in Florida set up roadblocks, taking this as a, maybe a trafficking or kidnapping case. Set up all these roadblocks, they never found this white van. Like, it was just gone, disappeared. So they released the photo to the media to try and find out who the people are. And that's how it ended up on the Current Affair TV show. Okay. So John's friend thought the girl was Tara. And that's why he called John. Uh, So the young boy in the photo reminded one family that they thought it was their missing child. The family of Michael Henley, also from New Mexico, went missing in April of 1988. He went missing while he was on a family hunting and camping trip. But unfortunately, Michael's Michael was found dead in June of 1990, a few miles from where the campsite was, and his cause of death was the elements. Aww. So I looked at photos of him as well. It does look like the little boy in that picture, but it couldn't be because he was found in New Mexico. Yeah. So it was just kind of weird that it was two families in New Mexico that were like, kind of looks like my kid that yeah. were missing. So Patty thought 100% this was Tara. And she was like, I am a mother. I know what my daughter looks like. That's my kid in that photo. Like, to the day she believed that. So they went to, the family packed up and went to Florida to speak with police. And then it moved to the FBI. Because now you've got two states. Crossing state lines. Yep. So Patty said that there's a scar on the woman's leg in the photo. And Tara had been in a car accident a a few years before she disappeared and had a scar in the same place. And so she was like, that's my kid. Like, that's her. Uh, So the other thing that made Patty believe that this was Tara was the book that's in the photo. 
This book was My Sweet Adrena, which I guess was popular in the late 80s. And it was apparently Tara's favorite book. And that book's sitting next to the girl in the photo. And so she was like, okay, too many coincidences. There's a phone number on the spine of the book, but some of the numbers you can't make out in the Polaroid. FBI said that it could have connected to 300 phone numbers. So okay. that's kind of dead, dead eggs. This photo was analyzed by FBA, FBI, who said 100% the woman in the photo is Tara Calico. 100%. 100%. <laughs> but then the Los Angeles crime lab analyzed it and said, mm, I'm not so sure. So imagine being a mom. Well, you're not a mom. Imagine when your kids goes missing, you get this photo. The FBI is like, nope, that's her. We got to find her. And then another crime lab's like, eh, I don't know. Like. A hundred percent. This is her. How, that's her. How? Jeez. I don't know. So getting you a lot of hope and then you get the next one and they're like, I don't know. Like, that's got to be so hard. And you're already dealing with not knowing where your child is. So without DNA, nobody should ever be saying 100%. Yeah. Ever. I agreed with that. So then the FBI called Polaroid and confirmed that that type of film um, was not used or made that was in the photograph until 1989. So after Tara had disappeared. So time frame could be right. Patty still believes 100% this is Tara. In 1991, John and Patty got deputized so that they can investigate their own daughter's case. Good. Badasses. Yeah, absolutely. Frustration with Mm non-movement, so they took Mm -hmm. matters into their own hands. I love that. Badasses. Action instead of complaining. I love it. Uh, So, Patty was always convinced that Tara was alive and that she just... And if she wasn't, she just wanted to be able to bring her home and bury her daughter. She's like... She's like, in my soul, she felt like she was alive, but she was like, if not, I just want my baby home so that I can do right by her. Yeah. So because she was working so um, closely with the police and had been deputized, uh, Patty was sent every unidentified photo of a deceased person that matched Tara's description. And she looked through every single one. Oh, no. And her kids that are still, like, her son and her daughter, Michelle, are, like, that took a lot of toll on. Oh, absolutely. She's, like, because she would open it and she'd be scared that it was going to be Tara. And then it wouldn't. And then she'd feel relief. But then she'd feel guilty for feeling relief because it's somebody else's child. Yeah. And, like, thousands of photos that she looked at trying to see if it was Tara. So, in 2003, Patty and John moved to Florida because that was the last little bit of maybe a sighting of her this is really sad they created a room for tara at their new home every single birthday and every single christmas they still bought christmas presents and put them in that room just waiting for tara to come home she didn't she said that she didn't want tara to someday come home and not think that they didn't think about her all this time Uh, that breaks my heart so patty had multiple strokes over the course of those years I'm sure the stress did not help that at all. And looking at all these photos and doing all the things that she was doing, I'm sure that didn't. And she had a broken heart. I'm sure she was. Oh, this is a sad case. John said that when he put her in a retirement home in assisted living, she would see girls on bikes and he would have to explain to her over and over again that that's not Tara. She's oh too young. God. She's too old. That's not her. Patty passed away in 2006 from another stroke. And her family said that she did not stop looking for Tara up until that day that she passed. Michelle, Tara's sister, took over the search for her after Patty passed just to keep the case alive. 
Sheriff Renee Rivera has been working on this case since 1989. And he does not believe that the girl, the girl in the photo was Tara. Um, but he says he's followed up any lead. In 2008, though, he came on record to say he knows exactly what happened to Tara. This the cop did? This will piss you off. Yep, the sheriff. So he said he knew exactly who did it. There's just not enough evidence to arrest the person that it was. And then he was like, I'm going to leave it at that. And so that everybody in the community was like, no. You're not going to leave it at that. It's 2008. She's been missing for what? 30, 30 years. years. Tell us what you know. So after being pushed for more information, he said at the time of her disappearance, there was two teenage boys who, um, so who he has the names for that witnesses saw driving an older model pickup truck and that they had been following and grabbing at her through their truck windows. He then said that while grabbing her, grabbing at her, the truck swerved, hitting her bike, at which time she fell and the teens took her and then panicked and killed her. He said he that these teens did know Tara, that they all knew each other. The sheriff also said that they have they have a case, but they're looking for more evidence, such as her bike or her clothing or Tara herself, before making an arrest. <laughs> he also said that the two other that there was two other people that had been involved and that they know where she's buried. He also says he believes that the, uh, that she is buried within the county. So Sheriff Rivera is saying he knows exactly what's happening but isn't doing anything (laughs) isn't doing anything and isn't saying anything right like her family her anything like right and her poor mom passed away without ever getting closure in this you know okay well clearly john her stepfather was pissed um seven he's like why would you say anything if you're not gonna make an arrest why would you why would you even say anything if you're not gonna do anything why would you withhold that information that seems like you have a lot of information. You could at least do you something. You have more than just circumstantial. Uh, yeah. Mm. So the next year, in 2009, a couple other photos appeared. One is a blurry woman um, with her mouth duct taped. Another is a woman and a man on a train. As well as a photo that was sent to the police of a little boy with Sharpie scribbled over his mouth to mock, to mock duct tape. These are the same people in those original photos. That same little boy and the same girl. Sorry. So that photo of the little boy was also sent to a local newspaper. And that same day that the police and the media received the photos of the girl on the train and the boy and all that, a psychic called and said, Tara is buried in California. Weird, you can feed into whatever you want with that. I just figured I'd sprinkle that in there. (laughs) A little bit of information. So the police to this day have never figured out who the the boy in the photos are. In October of 23, 13 Tara's case was reopened so 2008 he says 100% we know and then the case goes cold until 2013 I wish you could see Tracy's face nobody held that cop accountable nobody looked into that this gets okay this gets Keep going. so a six-man task force is put into place to this just thing... handle okay. Tara's case so they speak with former deputy Frank McFora who came forward and said that he had taken a statement from a man named Henry Brown, who was a teacher. He took this statement when the man was on his deathbed, so a deathbed confession. And he said that he, when Tara went missing, he had been hanging out with some really bad kids in town. He said one of those kids was Lawrence Romero Jr., who was the son of the sheriff at the time. Yep. 
He had gotten in quite a bit of trouble for dealing drugs. Just kind of a hellion teenager. And he used his dad to get out of those things. Because his dad's the sheriff. He said that he was at a party at Ramirez's house, which was a trailer on his father's property, so the sheriff's property, and he noticed some things under a tarp in the corner, where the guys then began to joke about how they had accidentally hit Tara with their truck and then abducted, raped, and murdered her. It was Lawrence. Accidentally. A guy they named- accidentally. <laughs> it was Lawrence, a guy named David, and a guy named Leroy. They said that they hid her body in the bushes, but then when everybody started, quote, freaking out about where Tara went, they went out and they moved her into tar- to Lawrence's trailer for the search. They then moved her, moved her from there and put her in one of the local ponds. Henry said it took him so long to come forward with any of this information because they threatened to kill him if he ever went to the police. But Lawrence is now dead because he committed suicide at 21. This is also his father was very good about making it look like it wasn't a suicide because he didn't want that on his name. So, apparently, supposedly, there was a suicide note when Lawrence killed himself admitting to the crime of killing Tara, and that's why he said he killed himself, is because of the guilt that it was eating at him. That note has disappeared, and it is believed that the sheriff, his father, covered that up because he didn't want that on his name. Once, so Lawrence is the son of the sheriff. Yep. So once this task force is opened, all of a sudden, all of this information just starts pulling out. When the people, um, when the photo was found in Florida, June 15th, 1989, witnesses saw a group of men who were ordering a woman down the beach that looked exactly like that girl. Nothing really came of that either. So you just have all these like kind of weird things that have been happening you never get any answers to that could be related that could not be related that could be connected that could not be just lots of questions so in 2019 the fbi put out an age progression photo of tara because we've never found tara she that deathbed confession could be true but we've never found tara so we don't really know you know the FBI also has a 20000 reward for any information that would lead to Tara or to an arrest. So a high school friend of Tara's named Melinda partnered with her sister Michelle and have been doing creating documents as well as a podcast called Vanished, the Tara, Tara Calico Investigation. It's a podcast just 100% dedicated to them searching for Tara. So she went home for the holidays in 2008, Melinda did, and saw some of her old friends and they were talking about the case and Melinda was like, it's kind of crazy that we like still don't know what happened to Tara. Like, don't you guys think that's kind of wild? And apparently everyone at the table said, we know what happened to Tara. We all know what happened to Tara. It was the sheriff's kid. So that's the consensus of everyone in town is that that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just believe that everyone in town knows, but nobody's going to do anything about it. So when Melinda found that out, she reached out to Michelle and was like, no, that's bullshit. Just because you're a sheriff's kid doesn't mean that we don't, that you guys get to suffer for 40 years. Right. Not knowing where your sister or your daughter is. So there have been very hard campaigning, the podcast, documentaries, they've got a website, whole shebang. So to this day, 
We don't know what happened to Tara. The FBI says that she's 5'5", 115 to 120 pounds with brown hair with a cowlick on the right temple. She has a large scar on her back of her right shoulder, a dime-sized brown colored birthmark on the back of one of her legs, as well as a scar from the car accident. 40 years ago. Right. I mean... Right. That's what's listed on the FBI website. How much do our bodies change? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, they say if you have any information in regards to this case, the New Mexico FBI phone number is 505-889-1300. Once again, that number is 505-889-1300. Or you can email her sister, Michelle, at info at Yeah, I'd email her sister. Me too, because... The police is corrupt. We have, our only suspect is a cop's kid. Give it to me, baby. I got nothing. That's a lot. It's just such a shit show of a case. Well. I feel like so much was mishandled. Obviously, if if the theory about. It wasn't mishandled. It wasn't handled at all. Right. There's, there's not even anything to... Why would you investigate if you found out that it was your son? And, you know, her parents got deputized so that they could help, and they were working with the man who knew exactly, you know... And the I'm, evil and the deceit that exists in this world absolutely disgusts me. I agree. 95% of the time. I agree. 95% of the time. You know, I guess here's my gig, is we believe, we being just normal, everyday people, we believe that there's a hierarchy, right, of, you have a badge, so you have this level of ethnic, or eth- like, moral compass, driving, you know, you hold yourself to this standard, whatever, and then there's, you know, the court system. And then there, you know, like there's this hierarchy of the way that society works. And we hold people to a standard that is bullshit. 100%. If you think for one second that every cop that wears a badge, every sheriff that you elect as sheriff to protect and serve you is looking out for your best interest, you are dead fucking wrong. And when they do these things, I mean, how arrogant of him to get in front of his people and say, I don't, we know exactly what happened and nobody do anything about it because we think that we can't. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you can make a citizen arrest. You can, you can go through the court proceedings. You can, you can, you know, I mean, do something. Yeah. Do something. Go to the commissioners. Who does the sheriff, who do elected officials answer to? Number one, the public, and the only people that can get them out of office is your elected commissioners. Petition them. Why, I mean, why go and talk to him? He's clearly not going to say anything to you. Indict his ass. Right. Get him in a room with people who will get the information out of him and hold these people accountable. If he knows and he isn't serving and protecting the public, he should be tried. Well, and if it is the previous sheriff's son... He's dead. Release that you at least know. He can't because he covered it, which makes him accountable for it. It puts him in jail. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You can't cover up a crime and cover up especially murder and withhold, especially 
in the position that he was in, you cannot do that and not be held grossly accountable for it. Yeah. I don't know. Because if he, if somebody. And he knows that. So it doesn't matter if all of them are dead. He will be held accountable for it. I don't know. I just wish somebody would freaking open their mouth. So her sister has been fighting this. Open their mouth. Do the damn right thing. 100%. Her sister deserves to be able to finish out what her mom did for the rest of her life. This poor mother went to the grave without knowing what what happened to her daughter. Well, and Tara. And Tara. 100%. And now her sister has been carrying this since she was 15 years old. Everybody freak out about her. Of course they freaked out about her. Someone they loved. It was a human being and every person matters. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I know it's been long enough that I hope someday somebody says something. It won't. It won't. But it won't. And to believe that it will is probably... You know, but they should flip it in some other way. They should work on legislation or some sort of, I mean, they should do, they should, I'm not saying they should because I, who the hell am I to give anybody advice on how to deal with pain, but it, it's not going to, and that's, that's ridiculous because somebody knows the sheriff, the ex-sheriff, he knows, and that's what his entire career was based on right there. Like, that erases everything good that you've ever done as a human being by doing one thing that's of that significance. Well, and this comes back because we've talked about this too. Like, what would you do to protect your children? Not fucking that. You're protecting your children is one thing. This is not protecting your children. And protecting your children at the cost of someone else is not protection at all. Protecting someone is holding their hand so they don't run out in the street. Protecting them is not covering up a dead body that they get drunk in their natural and then not joke about. And clearly, if this story is true, clearly it was eating his son apart. That's why he killed himself. Yeah. You know, and and I can just just imagine the conversations that he had with his father. You know, he assuming that this is correct. He goes to the cops, i.e. daddy, and says, I did this, dad. And dad is like, okay, we're going to cover it up. Y- you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It... Yeah, you're right. That case sucks. That case sucks. We'll post pictures and links to Michelle's information um, on our Instagram. Go follow that. Man, bring me something happier tomorrow. Ooh, I hate to break it to you. My next two are laid out. They're not very happy. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Stay safe.